All right, this is our very first podcast that is not a sermon. This is entitled Questions from the Big Box. The question that somebody slipped into the tithe and offering box in the back of uh, a church the other day was a note card, and it said, I know that God has forgiven me, but I don't know how to forgive myself, and is that the devil? I assume when you ask, uh, is that the devil? Um, you mean the feelings that you have, the guilt, um, the regret, although I assume that's what you mean. Whoever you are, thank you so much for being so brave and to ask such a hard question. I assure you that there are many of us who are dealing with the same thing. There is a difference between a follower of Jesus Christ asking this question and somebody who is not a follower of Jesus Christ. Being a follower of Jesus Christ means that you have engaged in a relationship with Jesus based on how the scripture says that happens. Scripture explains through and through that the way we attain a relationship with Jesus Christ is much like building a healthy relationship with anybody else. It begins with belief. In the Bible, belief is something, and it, belief is something that means more than just to agree that something exists. It also implies that we trust what it is that exists. Let me see if I can explain. Many people believe in a historical person named Jesus. Fewer people trust that he cares for them on a personal level. Without trusting, uh, without, without having this element of trust in our belief, we cannot move forward into a relationship with him. Sometimes mustering that belief can be difficult. But the truth is this, everybody in the world can choose to believe in something and trust it. If we will simply throw out the fear of being wrong, we can trust it. Jesus had a conversation with a man one time who expressed this same thing. A man came to Jesus and he said his son was demon-possessed and that oftentimes the demon tries to harm him by throwing him into fire or water to kill him. The man said, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Jesus replied, if I can, everything is possible for him who believes. Suddenly the man is confronted with the fragility of his own belief system and the man admitted it. I believe but help me in my unbelief or help me overcome my unbelief. For us, we must admit that trusting Jesus, who we've never seen, is difficult. But when we ask him for a line of credit in the trust portion of our belief, he will always forward to us that trust. The next thing that we focus on is our faith. Much like belief, it involves trust. But faith is that trust put into action. Believing that Jesus can care for every need is completely different than taking our every need to him in expectant prayer. Thus, belief grows up and turns into faith. For a young boy, there's a belief that he can ride a bicycle, he can look outside, he can see the bicycle, he can picture himself on the bicycle, but until the training wheels come off, till his feet come up, till the pedals are put into motion, that belief can never be seen or experienced. For the follower of Jesus Christ, a series of actions are taken so that that belief manifests or grows up into faith. The first exercises we take in our brand new faith in Jesus are both physical and spiritual if you can separate them. Though the spiritual aspect can easily be missed, I assure you that these physical steps are spiritual steps. When one of the followers of Jesus, a man named Peter, was asked how to engage in a saving relationship with Jesus, Peter replied, repent and be baptized. 
When he said repent, he didn't mean go home and feel bad about what you've done. He simply meant let Christ have the steering wheel of your life. We all make decisions every day, some small, some large. Rather than handle things like we typically do, Peter's command was to turn from our own way of doing things and do things like Christ would have us do. Repentance is to stop selfishly handling our lives and give that control over to Christ. So, what does that look like? Well, uh, for me, it happens a lot while I'm driving. When somebody makes a bonehead move out on the road, I want to express myself to them in a selfish and oftentimes sinful way or gesture. In those moments that I exercise the physical restraint, I am spiritually handing control of my life over to Christ. For you, the circumstances may be different. The next thing Peter says is this, be baptized. Many folks get hung up here asking irrelevant questions. So remember, any drastic change in life that we make or new mindset, job, relationship, or program, a journey that we embark on or take on always requires a change in our mindset. To be baptized means that we physically undergo an immersion in, an immersion in water. Is the water magical, Jared? No, it's uh, just water. Is the water blessed, Jared? Uh, no, it's, it's just water. The act of baptism is the spiritual and physical act of putting my whole life under the control of Christ. It is a profession that our spiritual body is dead in its accumulation of sin and that our desire is to be spiritually resurrected from the dead. That is where our physical being and our spiritual being meet in the full surrender to Jesus Christ, who was crucified both physically and spiritually and then resurrected back to life. Peter finishes his statement by saying that upon these actions our sins are forgiven and we are given the Holy Spirit. You see, God's desire is to deliver us from guilt, shame, regret, and the pain of the destructive results that sin has on us, both spiritually and physically. At this point, we are then reconciled to God. That means that we are free to believe and to trust that he's not mad at us. Let me say it one more time. That when we are reconciled to God, when our sins are forgiven, that means we are free to believe and then trust that he's not angry at us. You see, that he sees us holy and pure, physically and spiritually. Chew on that for a minute. The final steps we take on our journey of being a follower of Christ is a combination of our own ability to submit our lives to Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit. We are not able to overcome sin in our life without the help of the Holy Spirit. That is the Spirit of Christ himself. So as your relationship with Jesus grows, your faith grows, and as your faith grows, you begin to trust him more, and in turn, you learn to love him and to know that he truly cares for you, the whole you. But Jerry, I've done all that, and since then, I've continued to screw my life up. I've asked God for forgiveness, and I trust that he's forgiven me, but I can't seem to let go of the fact that God did all of that to save me, and I just went right out and botched it all up again. Listen, most people who have come to follow Jesus have sinned more on the back side of the cross than they did on the front side of the cross. 
What I mean is that in our physical lives, and our spiritual lives, they are constantly at war with one another. If you're one of those people who needs to be perfect at everything, then you, my friend, are going to struggle following Jesus because you're going to mess it up. You must learn to trust that God is the great forgiver, that he loves you, and that a puritanical standard isn't his goal. His goal is to build a life of trust with you, one where you learn to follow his steps closer. And in the moments that you fail, you turn to him with a trusting heart like a child whose father says, don't run in the driveway. Yet in a surge of excitement one day, the child sprints out across the gravel and falls. He scrapes his nose, his hands, his knees. The child has two options at this point. He can dust off his shirt and pants. He can hope that his dad never notices all the painful scrapes and lacerations. Or he can run into his father for the care and the healing power. Those are the only options we have as well. A good father will never neglect the opportunity to care for his child. And if that's true about a physical father, how much more does God love us? And is he willing to take care of us? So the question asked was this, how do I forgive myself? Well, number one, own the mistakes you've made. You did the thing that you're ashamed of, right? So admit it. Confess to God what you did, why you did it, and how at that time you did what you did because you were angry or lonely or frustrated, tired, sad, or whatever. Own it. Number two, tell a friend. Call a close friend and tell them that you really screwed something up and you feel terrible and explain it. Let them know you just needed to get it off your chest. Scripture says, confess our sins one to another so that we can be healed. There's healing power in just talking about the brokenness of our own life. We are put back together when we do that. Number three, evaluate your standards. My guess is that you've probably forgiven other people for things that they have done that are far worse than the very thing that you're thinking about right now. You've forgiven other people for things they've done that's far worse than this deal that you feel so terrible about. So let me ask you a question. Do you offer yourself the same amount of grace and forgiveness as you give others? My guess is no. You're probably great at forgiving everybody else and terrible at forgiving you. Okay? You have to evaluate your standards. If that's not fair, listen, set it fair. Make the standard fair. I'm not going to hold this over somebody else's head and I'm not going to hold this over my head. Number four, the, part of the other part of the question was this, is that from the devil? Ultimately, yes. God is the giver of all good things and Satan is the father of lies. He's called the deceiver uh, or the accuser. So yeah, he's going to attempt to mess up your relationship with God any way he can. Our responsibility in that is to flood our mind with the word of God to help battle those thoughts, the ones from ourselves and the ones from the devil. Lastly, number five, you may not be familiar with the name James Bay, but I promise you know his work. It was featured in a 2013 film that, at least from me, received rave reviews and tears every time I watch it. The movie is Frozen, and the song is Let It Go. Let it go, let it go, let it go, all right? Let it go. Scripture says that when God forgives our sins, that he buries them in the depths of the ocean, that he hides them from himself, that they're as far away as the east is from the west. If this is you, then it's time to recommit to Christ. Not only your wayward heart, but also to 
to your mindset. You need to turn your mindset back to his standard, which is this, forgive others. And you, my friend, are in the category of others. So let it go. He loves you. Get your chin up. Hope this helps. See ya.